Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. American happy Monday. Wow, what a weekend it was. I remember maybe about 40 years ago now, it's getting close to 40 years ago, 34, I guess 36 years ago, actually, the 1988 presidential campaign between George H.W. Bush and Michael Dukakis and the Massachusetts government was settled on a political campaign ad, a guy named Willie Horton, who was released on furlough by Governor Dukakis's administration, then committed a heinous crime, and his face was plastered on TV. And Dukakis, who had been leading in the polls, and George H.W. Bush, who had been trailing in the polls, the polls flipped. And Michael Dukakis never escaped the soft-on-crime dynamic that that ad created. I think Joe Biden may have found his moment of reckoning, his Willie Horton moment this weekend. It is such a tragic episode that occurred down in Georgia. And we were all over this, not only from the moment this young nursing student was killed on Friday, but more importantly, as we learned, and by the way, a lot of news media wouldn't report this, but we were first. But I think at the end of the day, Lake and Riley, a beautiful 22-year-old nursing student doing nothing but jogging in the morning, Actually, on a serene college campus, Athens, Georgia is beautiful, and the University of Georgia is beautiful. But she's just jogging in the morning, and this thug of a man from Venezuela led into the country illegally, got away, was let go, actually. He was paroled. Then he's given a work permit by the Biden administration. Then he's arrested in New York. Nobody thinks anything of it. He isn't removed from the country. And then, boom, there he is, beating and bludgeoning to death, this beautiful woman. No reason to do it other than hatred and anger. He had had a similar episode involving endangering a minor, apparently, in New York. He's arrested. He's here illegally in the country. You think after being here, allowed in illegally to the country, when once you commit a crime, you think, oh, for sure he's gone, right? No, John, that's not it. Not in Joe Biden's world, not in the sanctuary city world of Democratic blue cities. Lake and Riley is the Willie Horton of the... 2024 campaign, if Republicans and conservatives are going to use the issue, it's a powerful one. It's not to politicize her death. It's to remind people that her death was completely avoidable. Uh, And over the weekend, there was such enormous bad behavior all across the news media. The Associated Press wrote a whole story saying Lake and Riley's story is all about the danger of women in society today who like to run. 
didn't mention the fact that Jose Antonio Abera, Venezuelan illegal alien, was in the country illegally, could have been ejected when he was first stopped, but the Biden parole policies let him in. Then when he's arrested in New York, the sanctuary city policies let him stay. He ends up in Athens, Georgia, and Lakin Riley is the victim of those cascading set of decisions by liberals, by Democrats, by open border proponents. And I feel like this was a moment. We can't stop talking about it. We need to say and remind this country of Lake and Riley's name day in and day out and Jose Ibarra. And by the way, women jogging, running into illegal aliens who kill them, goes all the way back to the Chandra Levy case during the end of the uh, Clinton years, I believe it was intern, apparently involved with a Democratic congressman, but it was an illegal alien there as well who was accused of killing her while jogging. So there's a, a parallel. And what I did over the weekend for everybody, in case you didn't have time to do this, I put together a list just in the last couple of weeks. And this is only, only the last couple of weeks of illegal aliens who committed heinous crimes, murders, car crashes, sexual assaults of a disabled American. And I put it all together because I think the moment we're in at this very moment is a question we have to ask ourselves. How did a nation build so successfully on legal immigrants like my great-grandparents who came from Ireland and Poland and, and Hungary? How did a nation that was enriched and built and made great by legal immigrants suddenly buckle under the weight of illegal border crossers and the weight of their crimes. And when you look at this story, there are just all of these extraordinary, gruesome cases happening day in and day out that would not have happened if Joe Biden didn't create the parole, if Joe Biden didn't stop enforcing the border laws, if sanctuary cities didn't keep people, even violent offenders who are uh, illegal aliens, from being detained by the Immigration Customs and Enforcement Agency. These people would be alive, most likely. And I think that in all of these cases, we need to remember who they are. There's a mom and a son who are killed driving in Colorado. There is a man in Troy, New York, stabbed to death by an illegal alien who, oh, by the way, was already wanted for another stabbing, but again, not kicked out of the country. There is a person in Boston who was disabled, raped by a Haitian national. And then there is two young sisters in Dallas, shot dead by another illegal alien, the list goes on, but those are the ones I highlighted. I do feel like if these victims and their perps are put on the television screen, like Willie Horton was put on the television screen in 1908, there is a strong chance that this country will wake up and begin to equate these deaths, these avoidable deaths, these heinous deaths, to Joe Biden's policies and the liberal sanctuary city policies of Democratic mayors. No one should be as unsafe no one should be as unfortunately gone from this world early as Lake and Riley. And we just need to keep reminding people of that. All right, we've got a great show for you today. I'm really super excited. At the top of the show, we've got a good friend of mine, Mark Morgan, the former commissioner of the Customs Border Protection Agency. He is one of the premier experts. He's been warning about the crime waves, about the sanctuary city policies. In this case, just think about this. When Jose Ibarra is arrested, what does he get? Not a deportation like the law says. He gets a work permit. That's one of the little details that we dug up this weekend. It is mind-numbing and crazy. All right, we're going to have Mark Morgan referee this and what lies ahead. 
How big an issue can this become politically? And where do we go next with it in the first half? In the second half of the show, we're going to bring in Carl Sabo. He's the vice president and general counsel of NetChoice. He was involved in a major historic argument today where the Supreme Court is trying to determine if social media regulation laws passed by the Texas legislature and the Florida legislature are legal. Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas, he's been arguing for the restrictions, saying they protect young people and give parents the ability to protect their children. Carl Sabo's on the other side as a free speech advocate. We've got a lot cooking. And so that is going to be our show today. Now, before we go to a commercial break, I want to shout out a brand new sponsor of ours. We cover them often on the site, Alliance Defending Freedom, a faith-based organization that is trying to win justice for Christians. At no time in American history has religious liberty been in greater, greater danger. Our God-given freedoms are facing unrelenting attacks by a new generation of Americans who were taught by their educators to look down on faith, to look down on people of faith, kind of like the way that the FBI lovebirds, Pete Strzok and Lisa Page did on Walmart shoppers. Well, this fight that Alliance Defending Freedom is carrying out, it's a battle for truth. And the only way we win is if we stand together. Thankfully, Alliance Defending Freedom has been defending our rights for 30 years and winning. Right now, they're involved in two critical cases right before the United States Supreme Court. They're suing the FDA for endangering the health and safety of women and girls. And in the second case, they're assisting the state of Idaho to defend its law, protecting the lives of women and their unborn children against the Biden administration's attempt to override the law and force doctors to perform abortions. Now, they need your help. With your best gift, you courageously join ADF in fighting critical Supreme Court cases against government lawlessness and help defend our freedoms, the freedom of speech, the freedom of faith, the freedom of liberty, religious liberty. Remember how much that was under assault during COVID. Now, go to adf.org slash John. Again, one more time, adf.org slash John to give a donation right now. With your help, I pledge to raise $5,000 by March 31st for ADF. Why don't you help me do that today? Go to adf.org slash John. Let them know that John Solomon sent you, that you appreciate the work that they're doing and make your best gift right now. I'm going to make a gift today. I want you to match me. I'm going to put $200 in today. I hope you match me. I know with your help, we can beat that goal and help make the generational difference to our freedom. We want to raise $5,000 by March 31st. Go to adf.org slash John right now. All right, when we come back, Mark Morgan right after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, 
Text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I can't think of a more trusted voice, someone I turn to every time I'm trying to understand the insanity of the current Biden border than our next guest, Mark Morgan, former L.A. cop, former FBI supervisor, agent and supervisor, assistant director before he left there, and then the commissioner of the Customs Border Protection Agency. Mark's joining us right now. Mark, great to have you back on the show. John, thanks for having me as always. This weekend was... I think hard for a lot of people to watch this beautiful young nursing student jogging on a tranquil college campus where you, you should feel safe. And she's bludgeoned to death by this thug of a guy from Venezuela. I'm old enough, and you probably are too, to remember how the 1988 presidential race turned on a similar situation. A guy was furloughed in Massachusetts. His name was Willie Horton. Michael Dukakis was trying liberalization of crime policies back then. Guy gets out, commits a heinous crime. George H.W. Bush and others start running ads about it. And literally, Dukakis goes from the lead to losing. Is this a moment? I think Republicans have struggled to combat not only the mainstream media narrative, but also the Biden narrative on the border. People know it's bad, but is this moment, is Lake and Raleigh the victim and is Jose Ibarra the face that should be plastered on TV to hold Democrats accountable? It, it should be, John. You and I were talking a minute ago. Our strategy up to this point has failed. I mean, look, we it should work to show the, the, the charts and graphs and, and the numbers that, that are just insane, but it's not. I think, as you said, I think we have to put a, a face to, to this chaos and lawlessness. Unfortunately, though, this, uh, as horrific as the death of Lincoln Riley is, it's not the first and it's not going to be the last. I mean, K K Kayla Hamilton, uh, Elizabeth Medina. I mean, the list goes on. Two more beautiful women that were, were killed by illegal aliens. I mean, think about this. There, there's actually an organization in the United States, John, it's called ABIAC. 
American victims of illegal alien crime. That's how bad it is. Yeah. We have to begin to show the human toll. I wrote a large story today, and you know, there's a, a mom and a son killed by a, a four or five time drunk driver. Again, illegal alien. You got these two sisters killed in Dallas, two young girls in Dallas murdered by a thug there, Lake and Riley. And that is just in the last three or four weeks, what I could find. You go back to the beginning of the border policies, and it's in the hundreds of thousands of heinous crimes when you start looking at it. Uh, Young woman in Boston, mentally disabled, sexually raped or raped by uh, a thug. Um, when is enough enough? And one of the things that was shocking to me this weekend was how long the mainstream media held out trying to pretend that Jose Abar wasn't a illegal alien. It took me 10 minutes to figure out he was an illegal alien after he was arrested. How dangerous is it that the media continues to play a game of hide and seek on this? This is one of the biggest issues where I get so fired up. Look, I also did a search, too. There were some, I think the AP actually reported it as a Athens resident. He did? Uh, yeah, or maybe AJC. I can't remember. One of the two, yeah. Yep, yep, one of the two, right? I, I, I mean, it's unbelievable. They, they hide the truth. This administration, I've, I've worked for six administrations, both Republican and Democrat. I've never seen an administration so blatantly lie and, 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 and push a, a false narrative on the American people to, to make them feel like it, it, it's, it's not happening, to, to tell them that, that don't believe your lying eyes. I mean, this individual illegally entered the country, committed additional crimes in New York. New York released him so they could travel to, to Georgia to be with his brother and then allegedly uh, committed this other crime. And, and, and John, to, to your point, is, is I, I, I want to give a couple of stats because it's very important. In 2023 alone, ICE arrested 73,000 criminal illegal aliens in 2023 alone. And that, that included murderers, rapists, pedophiles, aggravated felons, gang members. It goes on and on. From 2011 to 2024, Texas alone arrested over 300,000 illegal aliens for 500,000 crimes, including 950 homicides, 1,100 kidnappings, and 60,000 assaults. And that's in the state of Texas alone, John. It is extraordinary. It just is the human toll on America. And, you know, this is a country that was built on great legal immigrants. We have a lot of pride in our immigration. Our All of our relatives, most of them came from somewhere else. But they came here through Ellis Island. And the first thing they got to see was the Statue of Limitation. Today, a young woman entering from the southern border, the first thing she might see is a rape tree as she's entering in the country. And that's lucky if she's been lucky not, not to be raped before. And on the way here, all of the most compelling arguments are available to conservatives and those who believe in border security to get the American people on the side. And yet there is not a solution that the House Republicans or others have been able to get through and enacted. The polling is way in their advantage. What's what's the failure? Why can't Republicans tell a story and get a job done? Well, well, so that's the issue, the, the, the storytelling. One, they're not united, right? They're all over the place. There's a lot of infighting. And as far as Republicans doing something, look, I, I think they've done a couple significant things. One is eight, eight months ago, John, eight months ago, they passed H.R. 2, the strongest border security piece of legislation that's ever been passed in our lifetime, ever. But whether Democrat or Republican, it goes over to the Senate. And, and, and the Democrats say, Schumer says, nope. Nope, not going to do. He doesn't even put it on the floor for open debate and public discussion. He doesn't say, hey, okay, well, I'll, I'll open it up to amendments. Nope, just just drops it. And and what did the Republicans do? 
They just roll over, John. They just say, okay, well, the Democrats said they won't talk about HR2, although it was a righteous border security bill that gave a policy pathway to, 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 to stop this chaos and lawlessness. The, the Republicans just caved in. And the Langford bill, they, they redraft something anew instead of taking HR2 and going forward with it. They, they, they draft this, this, this bill that it wasn't a border security bill. It was a giveaway to sanctuary cities and NGOs. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It was. It actually furthered billions more to keep the illegal trafficking of illegal aliens into the country. It is a mind number. Very early on on Saturday morning, I was able to get access to some of the immigration records involving Jose Ibarra. And it is just so shocking. And I know Americans hear each little piece, and they know that these components of this Biden program are there, that there, right, there's a parole program, and there is work permits now, and there's you know people moving them to inner city, and then there's sanctuary cities. But in this case, all of the worst elements of the left's open border policies were in play. He comes in, he's immediately flagged as someone who shouldn't be in the country and listed for uh, deportation, and he gets a parole release under the new Biden parole. Then he moves to the interior of the country. We don't know how yet, though I'm beginning to research and look for possible NGOs that moved into the country. He ends up in New York, uh, where he's arrested on a serious allegation of a crime involving putting a juvenile under the age of 17 in danger, also motor vehicle offense. He's in the slammer for a little bit and he gets let out and ICE isn't. So he's illegally here. Normally, if you commit a crime, Joe Biden said, well, the criminal guys, we're going to get out. But because New York is a sanctuary city, they don't hold them and they don't tell ICE. And if ICE came with a detainer, they probably wouldn't have kept them because NYPD doesn't comply with them right now. Then the guy moves to Georgia. No one's still tracking him. And then he commits this heinous crime. That cycle, basically every step of the way, this illegal alien had the advantage and the American citizen was at the disadvantage. That's right, John. Everything you just said, and it's because of this administration's policies. And there's a lot to unpack there, but but I'll try to quickly go through it. So so failure number one is that he was released in the United States rather than being uh, detained, physically detained in the United States and or removed while he's going through his asylum process. Failure number one. Failure number two is once he goes to New York, as you said, he's arrested for another crime, endangerment of a child. And, and so New York has him. And at that point, what the process should be is that they reach out to ICE who then puts a detainer on them, and then the law enforcement agency that arrested him detains them while ICE does their paperwork to remove him from the country. None of that happened. And none of that happened, one, because of this administration's policies under Secretary Mayorkas is an individual that's illegally in the country and commits a nonviolent felony is not an ICE priority. So even if NYPD would have reached out to ICE, John, ICE would have said, "Mm, not a priority. Go ahead and release them back into your community. But as you said, because of New York's a sanctuary city, they never reached out to ICE. And even if they would have, and even if ICE would have put a detainer, NYPD, it's not their fault. It's it's, it's the the, the political uh, elected uh, individuals there that that they, they wouldn't even have honored it. So here we have someone that's here illegally, committed a crime, is released back in the community for him to abscond, go to another state where he now allegedly killed another young woman. It's outrageous. It is outrageous. It's mind-numbing. I want to ask about unique solutions. And I look out now 
and see, all right, the Republicans have a great plan, but they are unable to get their Senate and House together. They've been unable to pressure Joe Biden. Joe Biden is just going to drag this out as long as he possibly can. Is there something unique? Could the state of Georgia, could the University of Georgia, could Lake and Riley's family potentially pursue a lawsuit trying to hold the nonprofits, if they had anything to do with trafficking this person, the NYPD for releasing it without giving a detainer notice. Is there some unique legal line of attack that maybe is the, the Hail Mary that starts a process of accountability? Because Washington has been unable to keep anyone held accountable on this. I think so, John. And I think this is a question. And I hope there's a lot of legal scholars that are that are working together right now and, and, and trying to, to answer that very question. At, at, a, at a minimum, here you have a, a, a city, a sanctuary city. So now we, we, we and this is not the first one though, but it, it's getting a lot of publicity. We have a quintessential example where a sanctuary city had someone illegally in the country. So, so that's a violation in of itself, right? Right there. He's in the country illegally. And then he commits another crime. And, and because of direct, a direct cause and effect, because of the sanctuary policies, they did not reach out to ICE because had they, then ICE would have placed a deten- detainer and asked them to keep them, right? So that didn't happen. So there's a direct cause and effect, a direct link. Because of the failures of the sanctuary policies, this criminal was let back in the streets to where he allegedly killed this young woman. I think there's absolutely a, a, a cause for standing here. And I hope somebody does take this case up. Yeah. And is this something an AG could potentially look at too, a state could look at? There was a recent case in Dallas where two young sisters were shot to death by a real heinous character. Again, another illegal alien. At some point, these cities and states are beginning to endure huge costs. There's criminal investigation costs, prosecution costs. You saw the Arizona Democrat governor, who, by the way, for a long time has been an open borders proponent, but now starting to feel the budget uh, noose of this, complaining about the cost of this. Is there some unique way of using the power of the purse for states to start to hold the president and his administration accountable? Look, I, I, I don't know, John, to be honest. I, I think that, that there's, a, you know, there's a lot of challenges with going after the federal government. As you well know, they're indemnified. Immunity, immunity, immunity. Exactly. It, it is. And so it's very tough. But I think that there are things that states can do. To, to address the impact of the, the open border chaos and lawless that's coming in that's impacting every state. Heritage has put out a great pamphlet, 20 things that states can do to try to, to stop and reduce the impacts of the illegal immigration in their state. It's a great read. Like, I'll give you an example right now. E-Verify, right? E-Verify. An employee that, look, one of the largest incentives for illegal aliens to come here is they know that when they get here, they're going to be able to work, that, that we have companies that are going to illegally hire and illegally employ illegal aliens. If a state would stop that, I promise you, I promise you, you would see a reduction of the illegal immigration coming to your state. That's a really great point. And it's such a simple thing, right? I mean, it's a complex thing, but it's a simple idea. It actually works. It is. But you know, you know who opposes that more than anybody? Republicans. Yeah. Jeez. That's a head scratcher, isn't it? It's just amazing. All right. So uh, the, the Georgia legislature is going to start to do something. They've been spurred to action. The, the Texas legislature and certainly Governor Abbott and uh, Ken Paxton are doing a lot down in Texas. Do you see any other things when you look around the country today saying, all right, Washington's not, not got it, but boy, I'm impressed with what this community or this state is doing? Yeah, look, Governor Abbott, 
and I know a lot of people struggle about whether he's too soft or too hard before, but the reality is the past three years, Governor Abbott has done more than any other governor in, in this state. That's just the fact, right? Operation Lone Star, right, from, from, a, from a law enforcement perspective has been tremendous. He's obviously putting down infrastructure. Look, he's, he's deploying the same strategy the Border Patrol has for decades, and that's a multi-layer strategy of infrastructure, technology, and personnel. And it's working. The, the, the only thing, the only thing that's not being done that has to be done, and this is why one of the main reasons why I called out the, the, the Langford Senate bill is a failure, because it, if you, it, it doesn't matter all the resources you put down there, as long as the policies allows catch and release at any level, this is not going to stop, John. It will not stop. And so right now, that's the only challenge. Hey, Governor Abbott right now, uh, you know, he doesn't have uh, the, the federal authority to actually detain and remove those illegal uh, aliens that come in. I, I wish that he would avail himself of the Constitution to be able to do that, but I know there's some challenges with that as well. But and, until we stop an in catch and release, we're not going to see an end to this. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and that's it's so mind-boggling to think of the human toll that's occurring day in and day out. The the, the taxpayer toll is huge, but listen, the humans are so much more important. And the, the migrants themselves, John, right? You not that's why I love you're not talking about the, the migrants themselves. The most inhumane thing you can do for the migrants are have the open border policies that Biden has right now. That's such a great point. It is the most inhumane way someone could travel here at the mercy of the heinous uh, drug cartels. It's just, it's mind boggling. Uh, well, Texas does seem to be a big, a big model. And I think we're going to keep watching that. Mark, what do you expect to see in the next couple of days? Obviously, there's a clock ticking in Congress. There's always talk, always seems like a lack of action after the talk. But is do you have any hope that there could be some form of um, dials moving to change some of the border dynamics, or do you think we head into the election where we are right now? I, I tell you what, I, I'm pessimistic. I, I'm usually an optimist, but but I'm an optimist that lives in the realm of the reality, right? And so we we've shown that this administration and Democrats uh, just their their blatant refusal to actually do anything to to stop the chaos and all of us and actually secure our borders. They don't care that every aspect of our nation's safety and national security is, is being jeopardized. It's about votes for them. But but now let's look at the Republicans. We saw the disastrous, you know, Lankford bill that it, that exploded and it should have. And so my concern is two things could potentially happen because they're so adverse to a government shutdown because the Republicans have rolled over, John, and just acquiesce that that they're going to take the blame for a government shutdown. When really the, the, the narrative should be why Democrats would you allow our government to shut down to keep our borders open? That should be the narrative. So I'm, I'm afraid two things are going to happen. Either either they're going to kick the can down the road, another CR continuing resolution and or the Republican are going to cave and they're going to push some watered down. Uh, 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 you know, giveaway for the NGOs and sanctuary cities that they're going to cloak under the disguise of border security. Um, so I, I, uh, I, I remain hopeful, but not. I, I'm not sure it's actually going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, that is the cold, harsh truth. But it does seem to be that's going to be it. It's going to take an election to solve one of the greatest security crises in American history. Just, just remarkable. Well, I got to tell you, uh, Mark, it's always an honor. Um, I, it's, this is a hard thing to say, but it's meant as a compliment. But it also, you were predicting that we would find cases like Lake and Raleigh two years ago. When, before these numbers were, you know, on the front page of newspapers, you said, this is what's going to happen. And you 
had it right. And uh, for that, we are always grateful. We get such a straight truth from you. And, and, and John, I tell you, I appreciate it, but back at you. And look, I agree with you. This this needs to be the moment. The, the Republicans need to take this story, this real-life human tragedy, to be able to highlight uh, about the chaos and lawless, and it's got to stop. As you said, one is enough is enough. How many more, you know, how many more Lincoln Rileys do we have to have before we say enough is enough? Yeah, that is that is a powerful question. We all need to ask ourselves it tonight. Mark, what a great honor. We love having you on. We're going to need to keep you on speed dial because the next few weeks are going to be most important to border security. Thanks for joining us today. You bet, bro. Thanks. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back from the commercial break, Carl Sabo from NetChoice. He is one of the most important voices on AI and internet regulation. Got a very big and important case before the Supreme Court today. Carl's going to bring us up to speed on that in just a little bit. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, let's face it. As you get older, after a night with drinks, you don't bounce back the next day like you used to. Thanks to Zbiotics, you don't have to make the choice of having a great night or a great day. Zbiotics pre-alcohol prebiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink alcohol, it gets converted into a toxic byproduct in your gut. It's this byproduct, not the dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this product down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night. Drink responsibly, and of course, you're going to fill your best tomorrow. So go to zbiotics.com slash justnews to get 15% off your first order when you use the Just News promo code at checkout. One against Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they're going to refund your money. No questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash justnews and use that promo code justnews at checkout for 15% off your order. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and also for letting us have a good time. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. As I mentioned at the top of the show, a historic case before the Supreme Court today on whether states can regulate what occurs on the internet and in social media spaces. A lot of First Amendment issues here. You're very familiar with Justin News' reporting on some of the censorship activities that went on with social media companies. This is coming at it from a different angle. State legislatures trying to impose potential censorship or restrictions on internet speech. And the Supreme Court justices seemed 
a little suspicious today. We're very lucky to be joined by a longtime friend of the show whose group was right at the center of this case, was brought by NetChoice against the Florida and Texas social media laws. And Carl Sable, of course, is our good friend. He's the vice president and general counsel there. Carl, welcome to the show. Uh, A big day for NetChoice, really a big day for the country. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I mean, what we are talking about here is who is going to control the Internet? Is it going to be the government or are we going to do what America has done for the past 200 years and let people decide what they want to hear, see and say in this case on the Internet? And that's really what's at stake. If you are ever concerned that the government will force you to say something you don't want to say or prevent you from something that you may want to hear, the type of restrictions that you see in authoritarian regimes across the world, if you're worried about that, then you understand why NetChoice had to bring this case, because it is that consequential, it is that important. Yeah, it, there's some pretty amazing uh, exchanges throughout the day. I thought Justice Kavanaugh perhaps had one of them, um, uh, was seemed to be concerned that this could be applied in a viewpoint discrimination way. And it... Um, it, uh, it it elicited an unusual response from the Texas Solicitor General about, well, listen, we can get rid of al-Qaeda if we want. We, we, we put restrictions on al-Qaeda. Um, the, the, it didn't seem to hit the mark from what the justice was looking at. The, describe for folks what uh, Florida and Texas was trying to do. Obviously, there's a history of some censorship from the 2020 election, uh, and some legislators tried to uh, address that. But explain what these laws are designed to do and where they run into the First Amendment. Yeah, I mean, quite simply, it is to address anti-conservative bias on the Internet, period. Like, that that's the genesis of these laws. And I'm a conservative, I'm a registered Republican. Uh, and whenever my members do something that I don't like, the social media platforms, it frustrates me. And, it, 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 and you know, I, I suspect I'm not alone in that frustration. But, but where I stop and where the states of Florida and Texas went on is I recognize the right of private businesses to decide what is best for their business, their users, their advertisers, and what type of speech they want to say and what type of speech they don't want to be associated with. That is their right as businesses. And it's something that anyone who supports the decisions of the Supreme Court, like last term on 303 Creative or Masterpiece Cakes or Citizens United, or essentially the First Amendment for 200 years, has to take issue with what Florida and Texas did. So what did they do? They went beyond. And they actually made it a illegal. They made it illegal to remove, let's pick on Florida, any, quote, political speech. Well, when we think of political speech, you're like, oh, Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, that makes sense. No, there's a lot more than just Democrats and Republicans. And I'm not talking about the Green Party here. I'm talking about the neo-Nazi party. I'm talking about the pro-Hamas party. I'm talking about some of the most vile content, the the people who think that dogfighting should be legalized and uh, child grooming should be okay. That's political speech. We may not think of it as political speech, but it is. And we may not agree with it, but we would have to see it and these websites would have to host it. And that's what we're talking about here. It goes to the core of the First Amendment. In fact, it even goes so far as to limit our ability to disagree with politicians for social media platforms to remove political speech that they don't like. I mean, 
the first the, the founding fathers created the first amendment to protect us from this type of authoritarian regime and that's the problem is bad ideas and bad emotion created bad laws in florida and texas yeah now there's something unique about this case and uh, it's important particularly in a first amendment case a lot of times first amendment law challenges occur after the law has been applied but these were brought at what they call the facial level meaning at the beginning of the law arguing that the entire law is unconstitutional you don't have have, an, have to have an act under it to prove that it's unconstitutional um describe that and how the court looked at that today yeah this is one of those fun things you learn in first year law school when it comes to the First Amendment. The First Amendment is so sacrosanct to us that we recognize any, quote, chilling of speech, anything that might make you question your ability to say thing, something, to make you question whether if I did said this, I could go to prison. If it's even questionable, it is unconstitutional. If it is questionable, it is immediately challengeable because we recognize any chilling of speech, any limitation on free speech in and of itself is a harm. And that harm enables you to bring suit to stop it. And just think about this quite simply. Let's use a real world example. Imagine a month before the election, the state or the federal government enacts a law saying, you may not talk ill about President Trump, or you may not say anything mean about President Biden. Even if we know that that's an unconstitutional law, if we can't immediately stop it from taking effect, then everyone's gonna be afraid to say something that they may wanna say, or hear something they may wanna hear. And that's why when it comes to the First Amendment, as soon as it's unclear, as soon as it has the chance of chilling your ability to speak, you can bring a lawsuit to stop it, and the law will be stopped. Yeah, yeah. There's a great moment, uh, and you have, by the way, uh, NetChoice has one of the greatest uh, Supreme Court uh, litigators in, uh, in my generation of journalism, Paul Clement, really one of the best, and uh, has an impeccable record of winning in the court. Uh, but there's a moment uh, where... Um, I think it was Justice Alito. I was looking at my notes here. Yeah, I think it was Justice Alito who said, is the term content moderation a, uh, a just a euphemism for censorship? I mean, basically are what all these platforms doing censoring. And Clement came back and says, if the government does it or forces it, then it's censorship. If a private, par if a private party does it on its own platform, it's called editorial discretion. That's really the difference here, right, uh, in what this case is about. Private parties with private platforms are, would be told what they could and couldn't carry on their own platforms. That's the freedom issue here, right? Absolutely right, John. I mean, you get to decide who comes on your podcast. Yep. That is your editorial discretion. You are not required by law to take on anybody who has a thought or opinion or an idea, especially ones you don't like or don't want to be associated with. The same thing is true for private businesses. And the way I'd like to kind of analogize it to my daily life is every Sunday comes around and I really, really want a Chick-fil-A sandwich. But as we all know, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays because it's against their, their religious views right. to not be open. Well, that's First Amendment protected. And as much as I want a Chick-fil-A sandwich on Sunday, I don't think, unfortunately, the First Amendment forbids the government from forcing them to be open against their values. 
Same thing is true here. And that is their religious right. And it is your editorial discretion to decide who comes on your show and who does not. And it is the editorial right of every online business to make those same decisions themselves. And if they don't want to be associated with certain types of content, if they don't want to be connected, they don't have to be. And that's what's at issue before the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's why we expect the justices to find for net choice. One last point I'll leave you with. In about two weeks, there's another case coming up before the U.S. Supreme Court. It's called Missouri versus Murphy. Yep. And in that case, the attorneys generals of Missouri and Louisiana brought suit against the Biden administration because the Biden administration leaned on social media platforms to remove COVID information that Biden didn't like. Right. And both those cases are centered on the First Amendment rights of the websites to be protected from the Biden administration. So it seems impossible for the justices to find against net choice and say it's okay for the states of Florida and Texas to violate the First Amendment, that there's no First Amendment rights of social media platforms today. And then two weeks from today, turn right back around and say, no, it's not okay when Biden does it. And that's the beauty of the First Amendment. Left, right, or center, it protects us all from the government. If you had to look out, uh, Biden v. Missouri, or uh, uh, Missouri v. Biden, that, uh, do you think the justices will come down uh, in a different way than they come down in this case, right? You know, I would, I would expect the justices to be ideologically consistent. Yeah, that's what I mean. But, but they'll see censorship in the other case, right? The other case could be viewed as censorship, right? And in this case here, it's personal choice, uh, a proprietary business choice if these platforms uh, do that. Now, some people, I want to ask one last question because it comes up a lot. I get asked this a lot when it comes to this particular case. And that is, well, John, these internet companies can't use uh, or can't exist if they didn't use our public airways for the internet, you know, the, the towers we have and the lines underneath our ground. Is there any uh, eminent domain or public domain issues that the Supreme Court could hang its hat on? Or the fact that they transmit their business over the airways like television networks do doesn't necessarily have an impact on the application here. Yeah, the, the Supreme Court's looked at this a couple of different times. Uh, the most famous case, of course, is called Red Lion, where the U.S. Supreme Court said cable companies can host whatever content they want, and the FCC can't tell them whether they can have, let's say, full frontal nudity on HBO, whereas ABC can't. And that's because of what they defined as scarcity of broadcast, limited airways. Well, when it comes to the Internet, there, it, it's virtually limitless. We see new websites, new platforms popping up all the time. Truth Social, Rumble, just popping up all over the place. And that's the beauty of the Internet is the free market and people will vote with their feet. That's the solution. If a site does something that you don't like, you just move there, just like people are moving from California to Florida. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly where he's at. And they, the difference in between these two cases is the government's finger in the other case. That's going to be really interesting to see what uh, repudiation, if there is any, that comes from it. The first two courts have been pretty um, uh, pretty negative to the Biden administration's policies on how they dealt with this. So it'll be really, really fascinating. Carl, real quickly, for people who love the work you're doing, what's the best way for them to stay in touch with NetChoice and you? 
Yeah, only if you love the work that we're doing. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, you can learn out more at netchoice.org, N-E-T-C-H-O-I-C-E.org. You can find us on X at NetChoice, and you can follow me on X. I'm at Carl Zabo, C-A-R-L-S is in Sam, Z is in Zebra, A is in Apple, B is in Boy, O is in October. I highly recommend, folks, if you're on uh, Twitter, to follow, follow Carl. Uh, he is one of the most important voices in the free speech space of the digital era of America, uh, whether it's on AI or these very historic cases before the Supreme Court. He is truly one of the best in the country. Carl, what a great honor to have you on on a very big day. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. All right. Talk to you real soon. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back to wrap things up after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. A big thank you to our two guests today, Mark Morgan and Carl Sabo. Keep Lake and Riley's name in front of everyone. She's the Willie Horton of 2024. We need, actually, Jose Ibarra is actually the Willie Horton, but it's her case that becomes the Willie Horton case of 2024, holding a liberal inconceivable policy accountable for the people it's beginning to kill now all across this incredible country. All right. We'll have more of this on the television show tonight, but until then have a great night. God bless you. Be sure to check out the Justin news website. We got you covered day and night with breaking news headlines. God bless. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34-plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So 
You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.